0: Hello. My name is Leslie Payne. Welcome to Below the Median Income. The land on which we gather is the traditional lands of Iowa Tribe of Kansas and Nebraska, Iowa Tribe of Oklahoma, Meskwaki Nation, Sac and Fox Tribe of the Mississippi in Iowa, and the Sioux people. We pay our respect to elders both past and present. Below the Median Income was inspired by two quotes. You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. From entrepreneur, author, and motivational speaker Jim Rohn. And on March 12, 2018, Director Joshua V. Barr of the Des Moines Civil and Human Rights Commission said,
1: We have 75% of students experiencing some form of poverty in Des Moines public schools. So what can we do to improve that outlook? Research has shown that if a person remains in an impoverished condition up through their adolescent years, they are more likely to remain in that position as they become older and become adults.
0: These quotes and the information related to them evolved into an art installation, visual and audio components to place the visitor outside the space they routinely travel. The audio components are interview recordings obtained from people involved with public or nonprofit organizations. The interviews tell the visitor about where that person routinely travels. The installation contrasts Des Moines ranking as a best in nation place to live, Iowa Knife's reputation of being overly friendly and go out of our way to help fellow citizens, and the visitor's personal story. During the making of the day one audio, I decided to follow the saying, Don't ask someone to do something you aren't willing to do yourself. To begin, I was born and raised in Iowa. I moved to a suburb of Des Moines in December 2004 for a job after college. It was overwhelming being in an unfamiliar area. Getting from place to place could be a challenge. It's a lot easier now with cell phone navigation. I lived in Des Moines city limits two of the past 14 years in the metro area. My experience of the city during that time was not very exciting. I was balancing creative interests, a a 40-hour-a-week job, and paying down student loans. My first impression of people in Des Moines is limited because of those things. I have stayed in the metro area because I think it has the best variety of things to do in Iowa. It's close, but not too close to my family. When I walk outside the place I live, I see a row of bushes to my left. Further out is a lot of trees blocking my view of the neighbor's house to the south. The front yard slopes down to meet the road. As I turn to my right, I see the neighbor's houses across the street grass trees mailbox and the end of the street i hear vehicles crickets little dogs barking cicadas and once in a while birds singing i live in a house on a dead end road with 11 other houses i regularly wave at people that live in five of them People in the other six houses have never seemed interested in waving at me or acknowledging when I wave at them. If I am going somewhere, I get there by driving my car or as a passenger in someone else's car. I have used DART, which is Des Moines Area Regional Transit. It was for a week in 2016. My car decided it didn't want to start. I made my first car purchase with a down payment and a bank loan that weekend. My schedule Monday to Friday varies. Three or four days, I work seven and a half hours for someone else in Des Moines. I am volunteering one day a week to see if I can meet new people and put this project together. I have the other day to myself, it's probably because I'm going to an event of interest. Half of them are in Des Moines city limits. My weekends include visiting family, more events of interest, making art, stuff that is an option any day of the week, walking my dogs, reading, making art, boring life stuff like yard work, dishes, laundry, making food, occasionally binge watching TV. Ozark season two on Netflix took a chunk out of my Labor Day weekend. I buy groceries at Hy-Vee and Merle Hay Road. I pay for them with my debit card. Occasionally I use my credit card if the amount owed is more than the amount available in my bank account. If I need something that is not grocery related, I usually go to a big box store. If I were to get sick, I would have to look up which medical doctor I can go to. I have health insurance through healthcare.gov, but I try to use it only for things that are covered. My deductible is depressingly high. It was a serious emergency. I'd probably call 911. I've never had to do that before. I do vote in national elections, usually the presidential years. I participated in Iowa caucuses for the first time in 2016. It was interesting, mostly standing and waiting favorite part was that it was held in Simpson Barn. No, it does not have animals. But it is an old barn. It is relocated and now they use it as a space for event rentals, usually weddings. I did vote for the first time in state primary elections on June 6, 2018. The trait I admire most in the people closest to me is humor. I prefer laughing to crying to deal with stress. Success for me is earning an income from art to cover basic needs and some bucket list adventures. Something that motivates me is this project. It is exciting to put small pieces together and see how it grows. And it can continue. My guest for day 8 is Devante. He participated in Movement 515, a program offered to students in Des Moines Public Schools. Students and mentors attempt to slow down the world and investigate themselves. They work toward becoming change agents, shedding light on the impact human emotion and connection brings to the global community. Movement 515 is an urban arts community where twice a week, students and mentors come together to create spoken word poetry. Thank you for joining me, Devante. What neighborhood of Des Moines do you live in?
1: The Highland Park, Oak Park area.
0: Who do you live with?
1: I live with my mother. My niece moved in with us early this year, so she's still in high school.
0: Finish the sentence. When I step outside the place I live, I see...
1: Not what I want to.
0: What do you want to see?
1: Picket fences, big houses people actually outside and not peeking through their blinds. I want something that feels friendly.
2: What public schools did you attend in Des Moines?
1: I went to Madison Elementary, Harding Middle School and North High School.
0: Do you go to college in the area?
1: I did attend DMAC the year after I graduated for uh, The first semester, I really didn't like it, (laughs) one, because I went to uh, DMAC Ankeny, and I thought being close to home, it would still give me kind of a vibe that I'm used to. I was trying to avoid the white college experience, and I noticed that as soon as I got there, it was the same thing, and I felt like I was miles from home, even though I was like literally down the street. My professors would be openly prejudiced in front of me, I didn't feel comfortable and I ended up dropping out.
0: Is there somewhere you want to go to school in Iowa?
1: Right now, I'm pretty much doing what I want to do, but still on a smaller scale. I want to eventually be able to do more in Movement 505 where this is not just a part-time thing, it's a full-time thing where I can actually sustain a living off of it. So right now, I'm just trying to figure out how I can get more involved
0: How do you get from place to place?
1: I drive.
0: Was DART ever your primary transportation?
1: In middle school and early high school.
0: Did you go more than just to and from school on it?
1: I normally walk to school, but it was like going to friends' houses, close by events, workshops. It was all through bus.
0: Did you notice the difference when you were able to get your first car?
1: Yeah, I didn't get my first car until my senior year. So, it's a completely different world.
0: When is the last time you asked for help?
1: Too long ago. Honestly, the last time I asked for help would probably have been more towards like the middle of summer. I had just bought a brand new car and then we had that flood. Car got hit in that flood, and it was only two weeks old, and so, like, I really needed help, like, financially, and, like, asking my mom for that was really hard, because, like, as soon as I got a job, I stopped asking my mom for anything. Like, everything I wanted, I tried to get myself. She would do things, like, a mother would on her own, but, like, asking for help and, like, trying to really figure out what to do after that was hard.
0: Do you volunteer your time?
1: I do when I can. My mom is really into uh, donating to homeless shelters and stuff, mm-hmm. so she puts to-go bags and like stuff like that, like, and often brings food for homeless people. And she doesn't normally take it to the shelters, she actually like goes out in the community and directly handing it to people in need, and I've helped her with that before.
0: Do you go to church or have any kind of religious practice?
1: I would consider myself more spiritual. Through like my, my own family that are very Bible-heavy, I see them, they're more like judgmental and other things like that, and I try to steer away from that. What's pushed me away from that is like their belief and how they believe in the Bible.
0: What do you like to do in your free time?
1: Writing and helping my niece write is really something I'm interested in.
0: What's something you do for yourself?
1: Get haircuts. That's what I do for myself. <laughs> and mainly hair stuff. My hair grows really fast and it gets frizzy really quick, so like I have to get my hair done like every two weeks.
0: What trait do you admire most in the people closest to you?
1: How much they love unconditionally. My mom and my girlfriend, specifically, like other people, have seen some of the worst things, but continue to love through it all and like unconditional love. Where, like, me looking at it is like, why are you still giving somebody so much positive energy when they have never given it back to you? That's something I try to learn from them.
0: How did you find out about Movement 515?
1: I had Miss Lane as a drama teacher from sixth grade to like eighth grade. In my eighth grade year, they asked me to do this program and it was called Minorities on the Move. And I had no idea what it was. I was like so confused. They just told me it was like a like leadership, like history, hip hop mix. And I was just like, I don't have anything better to do. I guess I'll go One of my really good friends, Julio, was doing it as well, so. When he said he was doing it, I was like, fine, I guess. I'll have someone to at least go through it with me. Literally the first day, they showed us this poem by Kai Davis, and I lost my mind. I was like, I need this. Everything about what y'all are doing is so dope, and I need to be a part of it.
0: What opportunities did being involved with Movement 515 give you when you were a student participating in the program?
1: I got to go to Chicago for Brave New Voices, which is an international poetry festival. I think that was eighth grade. I've performed in front of the mayor. I've traveled tons. I've done a bunch of paid performances, performed in front of the school board.
0: What opportunities have come up for you since you've graduated and participated as a poet mentor?
1: I opened for It's like a mayor of poetry for Iowa. I don't really know, I forgot what the name of it was because I never heard of it before I did it, but I got to perform, I got to open for her. The middle school opportunity was first for graduated students and the alumni of the program. So doing that and working at Harding Middle School, which was the school that I started the program in, and now teaching those kids, Helping mentor the high schoolers and stuff has really been a big thing, because when I was in their place, I didn't have anyone to ask because there was no one above us. There was no one to talk to to like. There was be the- someone
0: between students and the teacher, and the teachers got. Yeah, it was regular a- classes plus their extracurricular.
1: Exactly, <laughs> and now being like that middle for those kids and like how they come to us and like when they send poems. And they're like, I don't know what to do, I'm freaking out, like the slam's right around the corner. And like being able to talk them through that and just like work with them. How this impacted me when I was younger and now how I impact other people is just insane. And it's like a constant cycle. And those kids wanna get involved, they wanna take over my position, they wanna help kids do exactly what I'm doing. Like it's just an endless cycle of opportunities and doors constantly are opening. As long as you're asking for it, if you can talk to them and you want to do more, they will give you more.
0: Movement Five One Five is part of Run DSM. Did you do any of the like urban leadership?
1: Yeah, I took. I was in the first two years of both of those classes: urban leadership one hundred and one and one hundred and two.
0: What was your biggest takeaway from those classes?
1: Creating team summit, which is like a version of Brave New Voices, but we do it at Drake and at the Des Moines Social Club. We do different town halls about social issues. We're doing the research to create a whole town hall for kids to openly talk about a topic, but not be offended, but still get their deepest feelings out, was like a huge challenge, because how do you get people to feel safe around strangers. I feel like it's been so successful and we're actually coming up on our, I think sixth team summit. So I feel like we're doing the right thing.
0: Do you think you interact differently with people since you've gone through the movement five one five? F15?
1: Uh, Yeah. Um, I'm more open to other people's feelings. I'm more conscious of it. I'm looking for it more. Before the program, I would say I was kind of selfish and, like, caring about only myself, really. And when you see how, like, somebody else who has no idea who you are and deals with another 200 and some kids, but, like, they take their time out of the day to show you an album or, like, show that they care is is different like it changes your thinking and puts you in a place of like reflection and how do I treat others like this guy mm-hmm. who I don't even know has literally done so much like it feels like he's breaking his back for one specific person but he's helping everybody mm-hmm. so you have to like open your mind to that.
0: What motivates you
1: in high school I would have said being better than my dad Because my dad's been in and out of prison my whole life, and jail and all that. My goal has always been to be better than him. But lately, it's just been to better myself each year.
0: My guest for Day 14 is Marlu Abarca. She is the Vice Chair of the Latino Affairs Commission a part of the Office of Latino Affairs, which streamlines access to services offered by the state of Iowa. The commission is made up of seven governor-appointed community members who volunteer their time to represent the Latino community in Iowa. During the week, you might find her working as a bilingual services library assistant in the Des Moines Public Libraries through her position, she ensures that the library is a welcoming environment that engages the community, celebrates culture, and promotes literacy. Thank you for joining me, Marlou. What neighborhood of Des Moines do you live in?
2: I live north of Brand.
0: Who do you live with?
2: My cat named Funky.
0: Finish the sentence. When I step outside the place I live, I see...
2: Medical students crossing the street and people in her to get to work. When I step outside the place I live, I hear traffic and surprisingly birds. Where did you grow up? In Hollywood, California. What languages do you know? Spanish is my first. English, Portuguese, and I'm learning German. When did you learn English? I was five years old in kindergarten. Do you take ESL classes all the way through high school? Uh, I was in ESL up until I tested out in the 4th grade. What made you want to use German and Portuguese? Mm -hmm. What made you want to learn those two? As I was learning about Latin America in college, I realized that there were so many other different cultures within Latin America. I learned a little bit about Brazil and I was fascinated with the country and the history. So I decided that I want to learn Portuguese and be able to visit someday. How did you get to Iowa? I got to Iowa in 2010 to attend Grinnell College. What made you pick Grinnell College from
3: California?
2: Yeah, I knew that I was interested in attending a small liberal arts college. And in my research with my college counselor in high school, Grinnell seemed like a place I would enjoy just because of its rich history and social justice movements. What was your first impression of Iowa? That it was the most green I'd ever seen in my (laughs) life. What made you want to stay in Iowa? The people. Describe a typical weekday. I will probably get up around 7.30 to 8 a.m. and then... Get everything ready so I can get to work by 9 a.m. Usually, will work a few hours on the desk providing some type of bilingual customer service at the ESET library. During my lunch hour, I usually will read a book or I'll practice German or Portuguese on Duolingo, which is a really cool app that you can get for free. Or I'll spend it answering emails <laughs> from the other things that I do outside work. I usually get off work around 6 and then I will have like a meeting, board meeting, or some project I'm working on or something. And I'll head home to have dinner and I'll watch a movie. But three days out of the week, when I don't go to sleep after watching a movie, I work part-time at a bilingual radio station. And so I'll do that for a few hours.
0: One of the core values of the Des Moines Public Library is to focus on their customers' diverse needs and wants. What challenges do you face working as a bilingual services library assistant? There are
2: different challenges. Firstly, when I first had the position a little over two years ago, I realized that the Latino community and the Spanish-speaking community in general was it coming to the library because they didn't see themselves in the staff. There are very few people of color that work at the library, and almost in- an inexistent number that speak Spanish. So what happens is that people come into these spaces feeling like it's not for them, like they don't belong. I don't believe that anyone ever was told you don't belong here, but... There are ways that you can show someone that you don't want them there that doesn't include words. When I first joined the library staff full-time, I realized that there are a lot of things systemically that we can do to make the library more accessible and more welcoming. Growing the Spanish Language collection and showing that we care about folks who speak Spanish and that we encourage bilingualism because it has so many benefits, that was a big barrier for a lot of people who want to be in these spaces is that there's nothing them here. We didn't have programs that were in Spanish, for example. But I see now that so many other library systems are realizing that and they don't want to keep anyone away. Partly for their own uh, livelihood and longevity, they know that population in Iowa is changing, and there are more and more people who are growing up here who are bilingual and interested in learning different languages, and so it's important to sustain that patronship and to develop it in these younger generations that look and sound different. Describe a typical weekend. It's not my Saturday to work at the library since we all rotate which weekend we work. The library stays open on the weekends. I will probably sleep in and I might go to the gym. Do a Zumba class at the downtown Y. That's at 10. I'll probably go and get a slice of pizza at Costco while I do grocery shopping. If it's a Sunday, I'll get Minville. Just, like, delicious tripe soup from Mexico. Do you vote in elections? Yes. I vote in every election if I'm able to. Why is it important to you? I think about my family. My mom did not become a citizen until 2017. And for her to not be able to voice her values and her opinions in the way that I have the privilege to because I was born in the US was really important to me. Whenever I have an opportunity to vote on something, whether it's a special election or a local election or a national one, then I take that civic duty very seriously. What motivates you? My family and my family's journey for sure. Where's your family worship from? Both my parents were born in Mexico. Do you know how they traveled from Mexico to the United States? My dad came on a visa. He arrived in California and was a foreign worker. After a certain time, my understanding is that he had the opportunity to apply for a green card. Sometime later, before I was born, he uh, applied for citizenship. So I grew up watching him, so I think that was a huge influence on me too. My mom was undocumented until she married my dad and then a few years later when so she applied for her permanent residency. but it had been something that was just inaccessible due to price. And it wasn't until last year when I told her that I wanted to pay for her application, which was almost $700 that she said that, yes, it was a step that she wanted to take. Do. do you follow a religious practice or go to a place of worship? I stopped going to church about a year ago. I identify as agnostic currently, and it's because I have an open mind. And I've also studied a lot of religion. I grew up in the Catholic Church, and then... Switch over to a Lutheran church, and then a Christian denominational church. Several of them, Baptist church, <laughs> and most recently a United Methodist church. All of which I've found reject some part of my identity, and I've lived a life full of like shame and guilt. And I realized a few years ago that I didn't want to live that way, and that it's not really a concern of mine what happens to me after I die. It's not uh, a concern for me. Whether there's a heaven or not, and all I want to focus my life on is making sure that other people get to be as comfortable as I am while we're alive. How has volunteering time made an impact on your life? It's hard to date. <laughs> I'm currently single and. I have been seeing someone for a couple of months, but we met on a dating app. We realized very recently that we would have never met if it had not been for that app because right. our circles would have never crossed. We are in different fields of work and live in different parts of the metro area. So, uh, yeah, Vol- volunteering is very, it brings me a lot of joy and satisfaction. And so I wouldn't change that for anything. So I'm glad that there are dating apps out there. <laughs> What do you do for yourself? I like to go out dancing. Des Moines, surprisingly, has a really big salsa scene, and so I have a few friends that have bands here in Des Moines. I like to go watch them play. They have like monthly nights at different bars around town. I also like to travel nothing international. I haven't done that in a long time, but I like to travel for music festivals, both in English and in Spanish. What trait do you admire most in the people closest to you? I would say resilience. I have friends who have had enough reasons to either give up or to just live a comfortable life and not worry about anybody else around them. They've all shown resiliency and have put themselves and even risked their triggering traumas, just so they can give others opportunities, too. How did you find out about the Office of Latino Affairs? It was like 2016, early 2016, I want to say, and Sonia Reyes-Snyder, who's the Executive Officer for the State for Latino Affairs, was hosting a table with another woman from the Department of Human Rights at the leadership that I was a part of it was the Latino Leadership Initiative. Walked around different info tables and I talked to them and they said that there were over a hundred different boards, commissions, and councils that the governor appoints people to every year, and that there were openings for the Latino Affairs one. I had never heard of it. I'd never met anybody who was a part of it. So I applied. I was 23 at the time. I applied not thinking that anything was going to happen because I was young and I didn't think that anyone cared what I had to say. But fill got a formal application, you write several essays, submit a resume, and a few months later, I received an email from the Office of the Governor listed under Latino Affairs Commission my name and two other new board members. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. <laughs>
0: What work have you enjoyed most as a commissioner for the Office of Latino Affairs?
2: That's a hard question. We've done a really, really good amount of fun things. My favorite thing was probably the Latino Hall of Fame. I remember being at a coffee shop with Sonia, and we were just talking about kind of lack of morale in the community. There had been an increase in raids here in Des Moines, ice raids, and... We're thinking about how we can increase morale, but also teach people that it's okay to celebrate your own culture and to celebrate the people in your community. So we said, what about having a the Hall of Fame? <laughs> I had never done anything to that scale before, even though I'd planned, you know, a bit since I was in college and high school and all that, but we had a great team on the commission and had a bunch of support from the community.
0: What challenges do you see that the Latino community faces with your work for the Office of Latino Affairs?
2: There's several. I don't want to call it a crisis, but within identities across different generations of Latinos that live in Iowa, there's a difficulty in understanding and also trying to fit into Iowa culture as someone of Latino heritage and descent. What I mean by that is for first-generation Iowans, no matter what the age, you know, there's a process of learning and adoption of culture while trying to keep your own roots alive and thriving. For second and third generation islands that are Latino, what I've noticed is that there's also this idea that not only is there pressure from the mainstream Anglo community to be more Americanized, which means more white there's also a sign from the latino part that shames you if you don't speak spanish which is not even latino's native tongue you know (laughs) that's a different subject but there's a lot of shaming in not being able to have those roots like to your culture that part resonates with me because i realized in moving here and working with these communities that i have a lot of privilege in having Growing up knowing and, and actively, proudly, fearlessly celebrating my roots in every language that I speak. Growing up in California, 65% of the state currently is some type of Latino, different countries represented. But that, I didn't realize how much of a privilege that was and how that also affords you some cultural capital here, too. Mm-hmm.
0: My guest for Day 25 is Morgan Nicole. She is a student and active advocate for anti-racism with the Paint It Black Project at Drake University. The university was founded in 1881 to provide a learning environment open to all, without distinction of gender, religion, or race. Thank you for joining me, Morgan Nicole. What neighborhood of Des Moines do you live in?
3: I live in the Drake neighborhood.
0: Who do you live with?
3: I'm currently a resident assistant in a first-year residence hall, so I live with a lot of first-years and my own
0: hall staff. Finish the sentence. When I step outside the place I live, I see... A city that... Has a long way to go. When I step outside the place I live, I hear... Laughter because despite everything that's going on in the world right now, I'd like to think
3: that people would still take the time to smile, laugh, and you know, share in the good things that are going on. What languages do you know? (laughs) English, and then I've been learning Spanish since I was about 10 years old. I went to a language immersion middle school, I've been still taking it in college as well, and I'm also. I just started learning Arabic. What made you want to learn Arabic? I'm an international relations major, so part of my studies is focusing on Middle Eastern countries and Middle Eastern cultures. So I thought Arabic was kind of a natural go along with that. How do you get from place to place? Here in Des Moines, I don't really leave campus much, but when I do, I usually take the DART bus. Depending on where I'm going, I might take an Uber, but a lot of my friends have cars on campus, so depending on where we're going, we often carpool.
0: Where did you grow up?
3: I grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, more towards the Menominee Falls area of Milwaukee, which kind of differs from the inner city of Milwaukee where I went to school at and where I spent most of my time. Milwaukee is a great city to live in, but it is very segregated, Um, and that's just kind of a result of, you know, gentrification, redlining, that kind of thing, but it is the place that I call home. In
0: 1935, the Federal Home Loan Bank Board created the Home Owners Loan Corporation, an entity sponsored by the federal government to look at Des Moines and 238 other cities. They were tasked with creating residential maps to indicate the level of security for real estate investments in each surveyed city. On the maps were four areas. Those considered desirable for lending purposes were outlined in green and known as grid A best. Neighborhoods outlined in blue were known as grade B, still desirable, whereas older areas, known as grade C, definitely declining, were outlined in yellow. The lowest-rated areas were outlined in red and labeled grade D hazardous. These decisions were arbitrarily based on the area's racial composition rather than income levels. The sociologist John McKnight coined the term redlining to describe this discriminatory practice in the 1960s. The Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Fair Housing Act of 1968 theoretically outlawed redlining, however its impact is still seen today. Do you follow a religious practice or attend a place of worship? I grew
3: up in a Christian household, but I don't necessarily consider myself super religious. Um, I'm I'm a very spiritual individual, but, you know, that's kind of a very personal
0: journey that I am still figuring out. What trait do you admire most in the people closest to you? Wow. Um... I definitely think
3: that I've noticed that the people who are closest in my life, they are very strong-willed individuals. They are so kind of just determined to do whatever they are doing. And I think that's really great because I i think that's one of the qualities that I admire most about myself is my ability to um, kind of hone in and focus on one area of my life and just, you know, give my all into it. I think that they are just that and they are Extremely loving and caring individuals. They have some of the biggest hearts that I've ever come across. What motivates you? Mm -hmm. I'm very motivated by the people in my life that I have lost and who sadly aren't around anymore because I feel like I owe it to them to be something and to do something that's worth mentioning and worth other people kind of modeling after. So I think that, you know, like I said, with my whole career thing in international relations, I've kind of used that as, you know, have the biggest impact that you can on the most amount of people so that, you know, the people that I have who aren't here are proud and can feel that they did something good by
0: impacting me to do that. How did you find out about Des Moines? Well,
3: I never really knew much about Des Moines at all up until my senior year of high school in like December when I randomly decided, hey, I'm, I am think I'm going to go to Drake. That was the first time actually that I ever mentioned, had I even heard about Drake University, from a guidance counselor who her son actually happened to have the same major and wanted to come to Drake. And so I came down for a tour in January and I came around the city, came around the campus, and I loved it. kind of modeled Milwaukee a little bit in the way that there are very like tight-knit pockets of community, and it's relatively diverse, although Milwaukee is fairly segregated. And although I've seen remnants of that in the Des Moines community, I do think that it's growing in a way that is more positive and in a way that is more focused on community, and I'm excited to see that and be a part of that. What was your first impression? You know, I thought Iowa was like all (laughs) cornfields. Sadly, that's like a huge stereotype that people have about Wisconsin, too. I was fairly surprised. I was like, okay, you know, this is different. Um, A bit of a culture shock, especially within like the whole Drake bubble. You know, in coming from a high school that's largely a black population and coming from a city that has a high minority population of people of color.
0: Undergraduate domestic student demographics at Drake University for the 2018-2019 school year was 81% white, 6% Hispanic, 5% Asian, 5% black, and 3% identifying as two or more ethnicities. Do you vote in elections? Yes. Which ones? Local, national? Both.
3: I actually just became of legal age to vote (laughs) about a year ago. Um, So, yeah, I actually am only registered to vote in Iowa. Why is it important to vote? It's part of our duty as American citizens to share our opinions and also to elect individuals who can fight for the causes that we believe in. And regardless of what side of the aisle you are on. I think it's very important that you use your right to make a difference, no matter what way in which you think you are making that difference.
0: What is something you do for yourself?
3: I definitely don't do enough for myself. I will say that I'm (laughs) always very stretched, way too thin. When I do get the time to do things for myself, sleeping is one of them. I love to write. I am a kind of self-titled spoken word artist, I guess you would say. So I use that time to reflect and write about issues that I face, issues that other people face, and just use it as a way to express my creativity in myself.
0: How has volunteering your time changed your outlook?
3: With my work with Movement 515, working at Hillis Elementary School last year, I think that showed me a lot of respect for teachers, for one, because I was put in the position to guide students and help them learn something, and that definitely shaped my outlook on how integral and vital teachers are to making this world what it is. It also gave me a new respect for the younger generation, which is kind of weird for me saying that considering I'm 18 years old. But... Kids younger than me, they are so receptive and so intuitive. These are some of the smartest kids I've ever come across in my entire life. They are so far beyond their years. They're able to have real conversations about real issues that they face and real issues that other people face in this world, and I think that's extremely important.
0: When is the time you asked for help?
3: I definitely think that's one of the things I need to work on is asking for help and reaching out when I need it cuz I don't I'm very <laughs> I'm very self-reliant which is one of my flaws sometimes a time that I asked for help it was probably around the time of second semester last year when you know everything was kind of at its busiest had my hand in like 12 different organizations and clubs and activities. People were asking me to do all these things and I have a hard time saying no to people. It came to a point where I have a pre-existing traumatic brain injury from uh, multiple concussions that I've had. And so that kind of just spiraled out into a huge migraine that put me in the emergency room for like two days. And kind of took me out of my normal activity for about a week, and it was just kind of about asking for help from my professors and from my friends to take some of the burden of, you know, school and clubs and work off of me so that I could regroup and come back into things and do them to the best of my ability.
0: What opportunities became available to you while at Drake?
3: My freshman year, I definitely had a very untraditional experience being thrust into these leadership positions that I didn't expect. But I was able to not only make moves that were integral for myself as a Black woman, but also as a Black woman going into international relations. I had the opportunity to attend a lot of conferences, starting with the STRATCOM conference, which is the Deterrence and Assurance Academic Alliance Conference at the U.S. Strategic Command That was amazing. I got to talk to a lot of foreign dignitaries, and leaders, and military professionals and, you know, get to interact and learn about subjects that I'm going to be talking about in my career. And that was extremely amazing, especially considering I was probably the youngest person in the room. I've also had the opportunity to attend the United Nations Association Conference in Washington, D.C., doing work with the UNA on Capitol Hill, kind of lobbying for, you know, United Nations support as an international organization something which i find extremely important the work that the un does and i got to be a part of that you know just learning that i get to be a part of something bigger because of drake university and because of the position that i have had in my freshman year i get to do a lot of things that other second years don't get to do
0: going back to november 2018 Students of color living in Drake campus dorms received racist letters slipped under their doors. When did you find out about the letters?
3: I actually found out about the letters about, probably about 24 hours after they were sent. The first one, at least. Um, The first one, I got a picture of it sent to me from someone. After seeing that letter, we went into a meeting, supposed to be a shared space for students of color on this campus to kind of process their feelings about it. And so we decided to jump into action from there on after that. Obviously, we know that, that the letters after the initial one were sent by a different student of color who I can't presume to know their motives, but it kind of shifted the focus a little bit from the original intent of the Painted Black Project and our efforts to you know rally against it and show community support. But I do think that all of the letters definitely showed the dangers of racism and the dangers of, you know, white supremacy and kind of just stereotypes that people have. It was a huge emotional toll on everybody on this campus, especially students of color. And so I think that the notes were in a, I don't want to say that they needed to happen, but I definitely think it opened a lot of eyes.
0: As a result of the actions began by the Paint It Black project and supported by many others at Drake University, a coat of black paint was put on the wide sidewalk between Forest and University Avenues. This area is referred to as the Painted Street. It remained that color until the 2019 Drake Relays. Traditionally, every student organization paints a design on a concrete square of the street before the track and field meet. How did volunteering your time for the Paint It Black Project change your outlook? The Paint
3: It Black Project, although it kind of was created out of something negative, we're hoping to create a more inclusive community on Drake's campus and be a part of more equity and inclusion initiatives. And we have been. It has definitely opened my eyes to a lot of the aspects of community that go unnoticed sometimes. When people need something, sometimes that's when community is pushed to the forefront. It's so great to see the support that we have had from not only students, but faculty, staff, and people outside of Des Moines and outside of Iowa. I'm really excited to see what the Painted Black Project has for the future.
0: What have you learned about yourself or the people around you by being an advocate for anti racism?
3: I've definitely learned that. I have a platform and I have a voice, and I intend to use it. I'm somebody who's never really been content with being quiet, especially when I know something is wrong, whether it only affects me or an identity group that doesn't have anything to do with me. For some reason, people listen to what I have to say sometimes, and you know, if that's the case, great, I might as well take advantage of it and say what needs to be said. I've also learned, I think. To be content with the fact that everyone won't agree with you because we did get a lot of backlash. The good definitely outweighed the bad, but I kind of had to, you know, rein myself in and be like, listen, the people who don't agree with me, I can't really change their minds. They're set in their ways and they've been set in their ways. And that's not something that I can control. And I guess that's also what I've learned is learning when and how to let go.
0: You're at the beginning of your sophomore year. Do you think Des Moines is a place you will stay after college?
3: I'm not somebody who likes to really stay in one place for too long. Even going back home for the summer to Milwaukee, I was itching to come back to Des Moines or go anywhere else for that matter. So I might stay here for a year or two, but I definitely will come back and visit time to time. Visit Drake, visit family, friends, that kind of thing. Um, but I don't know what the future holds. I might move to DC. I might move out of the United States, but I'm excited for that.
0: What does success
3: look like for you? You know, a lot of people say that success should be happiness in life that, you know, you are your most successful when you're at your happiest. But I think for me, success and happiness go along with the career path that I want. I'm hoping that I get to help a lot of people. I'm hoping that I have a huge impact on, you know, this country and this world um, as far as eliminating human rights issues.